Nine Podcasts. I'm Elise. And I'm Tom. As Oscar Wilde once said, Ultimately, the bond of all companionship, whether in marriage or in friendship, is conversation. Welcome to our husband-wife podcast, The Elliot Exchange. What could possibly go wrong? Find out with us by tapping the follow or subscribe button on The Elliot Exchange wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to The Elliot Exchange. Now, Tom, we're shaking things up a bit this week. We're accepting audio messages. What, like voicemail? That you never listen to. No. But we are going to listen to this, okay? Hi, Tom and Elise. It's Debbie, and I was just wondering, who says sorry first after a disagreement? Who says sorry first after an argument? Definitely me. On the rare occasion that we have a, a, a dispute about something, <laughs> yes. I'm always over it within half an hour. I'm sorry. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. And you make me pay for days, weeks no, sometimes. I know. You, you sort of blow up and then you go away and think about it. And then sometimes I overnight. No, no, no. Well, I always say I'm sorry. Look, really, I I always think never ruin an apology with an excuse. Benjamin Franklin said that. And I think there's a few well-known people about town who could heed that. Yeah, I love when people say, uh, if I have offended anybody, I (laughs) apologise. That is not an apology. No, it's not. No, that's sort of saying you got unnecessarily offended. That's right. right. You've, you've, You've got to say, I did the wrong thing. I'm sorry. And then people move on. They actually say there's three parts to a true apology. I'm sorry. It's my fault. What can I do to make it better? I, I always say, what can we do to make it better? I do. I just say sorry. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you know, when you were young in your, um, the white dress you would wear to mass, you know, and you start going to confession yeah. and all you have to do is say to the priest, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And this is what I imagine happens because not being a Catholic, I've never actually been inside a confession. We shouldn't talk about uh, things you don't know. No, I know, but, but I've seen movies and stuff. Right, and, the... <laughs> uh, You know, like in The Godfather and whatever. Right, that's really true to form. Uh, yes. Sometimes criminals communicate within each other within the sanctity of the confessional. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> and then you say, what is a Hail Mary, by the way? Uh, it's... Well, I don't know what it Hail is. Hail Mary, full of grace, yeah. the Lord is with thee. And then you're cleansed, you yeah, purified. No, no, but you don't just do one. They'll give you, they yeah, might, you might give you five Hail Marys to put down order you. But then, and then, and then, and then the, you clean. Your sins are expunged. Totally. And then you go and sin again. I might make you do some Hail Marys. How about well, that? Actually, you know, I've always thought it's a very good system in the sense that if you can do a sin, whatever it might be. Do. Commit the Commit a sin, mm. one of the seven deadly ones. Mm. Like gluttony, for example, yeah. and then and then all you have to do is—is is it a prayer? Is that what you're saying? Well, it could be a combination. It might be a few Our Fathers, might be right. a few Hail Marys thrown in there. And, and you've got to be pious, and you've got to be yeah, repentant. Yeah, all that, absolutely. And, and and I'm guessing like the priest would be disappointed if people didn't come to him with sins each week. Mm. So, so. If, in fact, you had not actually done anything... Do you, I made up one once. You would make one I up. did make up a sin once because I was a very good little girl. Yeah, I had course. to go to confession. I had nothing to confess, but, so but I made for, up a for, sin. For entertainment purposes for the priest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got, and, you, and probably once you made one up, then the next week you have to come up with something that's worse, mm. you know, to mm. the point where you're sort of killing people on a regular basis or whatever. So I, look, pr- what I'm learning from this I is... Mean, not, not actually killing them, I mean, right. pretending that you have killed <laughs> them. I'm not dead. By the way, if you did say that, does the priest, does he tell you to go to the police or do you just sell, do you have to say like a thousand No, they're marriage? not allowed to say anything. They're, no. There's the sanctity of the, the, yeah. the confessional. But, but, do, but does he give you 
like quite a, uh, a lengthy sort of punishment. <laughs> I don't know, Tom. I've not killed anyone. Right. So what was the worst sin that you... I'm not telling you or sharing with our listeners. All right, well, well, just in broad brushstrokes. <laughs> no. No, no. Well, don't well, digress. So well, what, what, was going... the, what was the worst punishment the priest gave you? No, because if I say that, all the Catholics out there, it's like Braille. They'll know. They'll know. Yeah. They'll know. They'll read. They'll read right. what sin I've committed so say, by the punishment that was meted really? out. Yeah, it's a bit like, you know, you get X amount of, so, you know. So it's quite a consistent thing, right? <laughs> so if you went to, say, say Spain and yes. saw a Catholic priest there mm-hmm. and in Spanish, I, I believe it would be universal. What I'm saying is that if you committed, uh, let's say you I stole something. I sort of feel the Italians would be more forgiving. No, but uh, no, I doubt it. But but what I'm saying is that so an Australian Catholic priest and an Italian or a Spanish Catholic yep. priest would have the they'd have a little chart on the wall, mm. like you know, Elisa's done Tom, this. I haven't gone on a global confessional punishment. tour. I can't well, really answer that there, question. There's something that lies ahead for us. <laughs> Now, Tom, our 11-year wedding anniversary is coming up. 11. Is it? Yeah, it does. Oh, it only seems like four oh, or five. Oh, good. Um, but I'm still learning things about you. Now, recently I was listening to your music compilations and they're achingly hip. You know, you've got all these sort of underground, cool bands. You're into shoegazing. There's a lot of sort of Scottish bands from the 90s. And then in pops, Murder on the Dance Floor by Sophie Ellis-Bexter. What the? Like, why does she suddenly appear in the middle of your compilations? And then it got me thinking, you have a secret crush on her. Well, I I am pleased that you have pronounced the second part of her surname correctly, because I do hear a lot of people call her Baxter, which I don't like. I like (laughs) to see it's Bextor, not Baxter. (laughs) And I know Sophie and I are at one with this. Um... (laughs) I, I, I don't know. She, to oh, me, are you blushing? Yeah, a bit. Oh, my God. You really have a crush on so it. So, I, I love the clip of it when there's, they're actually in a dance competition. <laughs> it takes me back to the great Australian movie, Strictly talk, Ballroom. Talk me through the video clips. Well, they, you know, they're sort of doing ballroom dancing but, you know, playing nasty tricks on each other to push out their opponents, which I, which I quite like. And then I saw a, a clip of her performing Murder on the Dance Floor live. At, like It was like a beat or it was some mm, massive mm, outdoor mm. concert somewhere. And she just looked fabulous. And she's coming to Australia. She's actually, are you ready for this? Here as we speak. She's like walking amongst us. I know. I say, so it was a bit exciting. Now, I did see a photo of her. She's now 41. I just have to say that. I think she's 43. 40, oh, oh, stalking. Yes. Do you know her star sign as well? Right. No. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> what I did like about her is she shunned the VIP treatment because she queued up in the taxi rank at Sydney Airport ahead mm. of her Australian tour. And I quite like that. It was very of the hoi polloi, you know, mixing with the real people. Tom, you could have been in that queue just perving on her. Well, I'd like to think that I don't pervert people. But, um, you know, I think Sophie would still look the same as she looked back in 2001 when that yeah, song came no, out. See, that's the thing. Rockers don't age well. Not she's a rocker, she's a popper. I won't hear a bad word said about her. <laughs> the funny so, thing is, I only like that one song by hers. I don't like well, I, Does I she would, have any more? No, she was in a band in the 90s, then she did solo. She's done about four or five albums, but it was just that one song just All sort right, of caught Do me. you know what the album's called? No. Read My Lips. Well, there you go. No, I'm saying Read My Lips. No, I'm joking. It's called Read My Lips, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I sometimes I think rockers age badly. And, you know, I don't really want to see 
sexagenarians writhing around in leather pants. I just, I think, I want to preserve them how I remember them. Well, I, I feel like the Who should be sued. Because remember they sang back in oh, late 60s, early 70s, I hope I die before I get old. I hope I die before I get old. You know, and of course, most of them are still going. I think there might be short one who yeah, member. Yeah. But, you know, they, they weren't true to their word. They kept performing. You know, one of them's gone deaf because of his music and all that sort of thing. But, but I mean, they, 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 they have got old. And even though they sung about it, they haven't sort of done what they said they would do. I just don't think it's a hardcore tour if, like, the sex is shaky, the drugs are Viagra and the rock and roll is rusty. So I, I, I sometimes I think it's not great to meet your your pop or rock crush in real life. However, I did meet Sting in real life. I had the pleasure of interviewing him Yeah, but he still twice. looks good. He's still a bit hot, I've got to say. Because I don't want to meet Sophie Ellis Bextor, I've decided. Oh, have just, you? Have you a little think about that? Yeah, just in case. Right. Is that – if you – she doesn't you, look the same. You know that room I'm not allowed in, yes, you study? I study. Have you got a poster of her in there? There might be a little picture somewhere. A little picture. Oh, darling, that's so sweet. Thank you for listening to the Elliot Exchange. Now, we want to turn the table a little bit and hear from you. So send us an audio message to Elliot underscore media on Instagram or you can email me, drive at 3aw.com.au and we'll attempt to answer your questions. <laughs> now, it could be a question about us. Hi, Tom and Elise. It's Debbie, and I was just wondering, who says sorry first after a disagreement? Or you might need a bit of help from us. Hey, Elise and Tom, my wife thinks we should sleep in separate beds because I snore too much. What do you think we should do? Send your audio message to Elise Elliott underscore media on Instagram or email Tom at drive at 3aw.com.au. Tom, there's been a recent article saying there should be no shame in talking about well I, I hate to contradict you in the article but i do feel some shame when it comes to talking about the uh science of human reproduction <laughs> and it was indeed in a How science did we class. even have a child was it immaculate conception i don't know i don't remember year 10 1983 mr bentley is my science teacher and he drew what i thought was quite a complicated diagram on the board blackboard um, which was the location of various reproductive organs and where <laughs> eggs descend and all that. Mm. I remember looking at it and, you know, I put up my hand and said, Sir, sir, in that diagram there, sir, so wh- where do you put it? <laughs> and the whole class erupted with laughter. That poor teacher, fact, that poor man. At, at my 30-year school reunion, yeah. at least three people who were <laughs> present in the class came up to me and, and remembered that time. Have you learnt yet? Well... Possibly. Okay. But, but, but I, you know, I didn't think it was a very good diagram. And I'm not sure that science in year 10 is the best way to teach it. Oh, dang. I, just, I, I think in our day, talking about sex and reproduction was so, so archaic. I remember I was taught daddy has the seed, mummy has the egg, right? And I was yeah. quite happy with that. And then we had this ratbag neighbour who said to me, yeah, how does the seed get to the egg? That's and I remember a good going... Question. Good question. And I remember thinking, and I'd seen mum and dad kissing, and I said, from kissing, 
and all these boys rolling around the street laughing, and I felt like such a fool. Well, you were you were seventeen when you said no, that. No. <laughs> so then, at seventeen, I went to the school library and I hired "Where Did I Come From," which was that nineteen seventy three book uh, written by Peter Mayle, illustrated by Arthur Robbins. And, and the funny thing about the illustrations, because yeah. it's written in the early seventies, all the men have massive beards. <laughs> Curly hair. hair and everyone's very hairy yeah, in the over. diagrams, hairy <laughs> all over. So I think, and you know, the book needs a clear upgrade because although beards are back, beards are back. I mean, look, our producer's got a beard. In in, in nineteen eighty five, I think it might have been. I was sitting with my father watching the football replay on a Saturday night. Hey Tom, how are you? Now uh, I know you're going out with a girl. Um, don't do anything stupid. And that was that. That was your entire. And, and, and <laughs> that was it. Well, yeah, no, and I remember thinking, so ooh, what, what ooh, exactly does he yeah, mean? Yeah, that covers Don't a do lot. It, do do it. Don't do what I wouldn't do. Do do. Anyway, but that that was the extent of my my sex education for my parents. So, a complicated diagram on the blackboard in Year Ten from a science teacher, followed by a strict set of instructions from my father: don't do anything stupid. And that was that. We had to undergo we sex education online during lockdown. That's just for you and me. No, that was for our, our tween. Um, and it was very, very, let's just say a little bit more detailed than your drawing on the board back in the mm. day. Sex education today is very direct for our young'uns. They cover everything as well, a little bit more um, comprehensive than where did I come from. You know, and they talk about different types of conception, whether it be IVF or – and also the other thing about where did I come from, the baby just comes out one way and as we know, you know, babies can be born by a caesarean as well. So it's much more of a broad stroke. They cover a lot more things today and I think it's a good thing. Well, that's good. That means that when the time comes, you can have that awkward discussion with our daughter. <laughs> and you say to her – Don't do anything stupid. Now, Elise uh, – Former Prime Minister Tony Abbott has come out in the last few days and said that we need to uh, reintroduce national conscription across Australia, you know, take all 18-year-olds, many of whom are soft as butter, and stick them into the army or something, um, make them learn skills, you know, work with people from all walks of life, that sort of thing. I think it's a wonderful idea. I mean, the Australian national ethos was, you know, born in the fires of World War One and all that sort of thing. And, um, you know, I, I read this week that something like 13 or 14% of school leavers in Victoria this year are going to do an unscored VCE. Now, what that means is they, they don't sit their exams, but they're still given a certificate saying, well done. Now, this is terrible. This is soft as butter, as I said before. And, and I think uh, national service might be a good idea. To toughen them up a little toughen bit. Toughen them up. Well, it's interesting. I, I was really surprised to read 85 countries worldwide have some form of obligatory military training. But the countries are Turkey, Cyprus, Israel, Syria, Brazil, and the Koreas. I mean, Add to that, Australia. Well, you, you would like to see that. So men between the ages of 18 no, to and 36. Women. And women. Yes. Is it? No, well, I'm saying in Australia. Oh, you, yeah, of course. Yeah. We can't just have, Oh, no, no. everybody's equal these days. Yeah, and totally. all the other genders too. So do you think maybe when, when you leave school? <laughs> it's like a gap year, but with a three oh three rifle. <laughs> So not quite Koh Samui. No, no. It'd be great. You'd go up to Pakapanyal, sleep in a tent, 
Eat baked beans. Eat baked beans or, or, or camp pie, which is a disgusting thing. Learn how to, to dig a toilet. Dig a, or dig a trench, dig a toilet, mm. shoot a gun, clean it with your eyes closed, all those sorts Polish of things. Polish your shoes. Polish your shoes. I guess the thing is that, they'd, you know, these, these kids would come back. They'd be better housemates. Oh, they'd, they'd be, be f- better fabulous. around that. I, I mean, if I pick up one more wet towel off a carpet, I'm going to kill the, the drill sergeant would come yeah. in. Like, you make your bed. You, I can see you want that role, yeah. don't you? And, and, he, and he flips a coin on your bed and has to bounce off the bed because everything's pulled so how you, tight. How do you know that? Well, I, I, that's what how I would have it if I was <laughs> in charge of it. And I thought, I thought this through. Um, this is terrifying. No, but because everybody would do it. No, that I'm married to you and oh. you're thinking like this. <laughs> So what happens? So kids finish year 12. Year 12. And then there's a gap year and everyone. Everyone. So no exemptions. Oh, well, there are exemptions for everything. Well, I mean, you know, obviously you're physically incapable. I mean, going to university isn't an exemption. Um, Having a job isn't an exemption. Not wanting to do it isn't an exemption. Mm -hmm. Conscientious objection. No, no exemption. You see, you see where I'm coming from. You treat everybody the same. Right. They all go in. They come out the other side. And how did they come out the other side? Toughened up, hardened, wise to the ways of the world. Traumatised. No, not traumatised. Oh. Tom, you've obviously deeply thought about this. What, what else would you introduce in this, this gap year? Well, I'd be the drill sergeant. And of course. I'd, I'd be like Lee Emery from Full Metal Jacket. You will not laugh. You will not cry. You will learn by the numbers. I will teach you. Now get up. Get on your feet. The first half of that film is just one of the greatest performances and how he did not win an Academy Award for what he did. He essentially acted as himself. Right. Um, so you'd be doing the same. I'd be doing what the same What about thing. what would people wear? Well, you, oh, well you, what you wear is he wears uh, what's called a smoky bear hat um, and you have perfectly pressed khakis, like at three o'clock in the morning, you just like, polished boots. And, and, and the, the uh, recruits would probably wear T-shirts and army pants and the same sort of boots. And you run around in formation chanting songs with each so other. So what sort of songs? Oh, they're a bit, a bit blue, perhaps not for public consumption, but it's the sort of thing that breaks down the individual and, and builds people up as a group. But much like joining a football team, it's the same. <laughs> and, and, and when you think of some notable examples, uh, Lindsay Fox, you know, Australia's greatest trucking magnate. I mean, he, I believe, learnt to drive a truck while doing national service. Mm, mm. My own stepfather, John, not John Elliott, another John. Uh, my, my mother seemed to like John's. Um, he he joined the Air Force because he didn't want to have to, you know, be in the Army. And they trained him in airfield defence. And, and it means he got to shoot a brain gun at an approaching fighter. Well, he didn't actually do it, but that's what he was trained to do. Maybe rather than being so austere about it, perhaps a gap year could just be about life skills to make you a better person with whom to live. But these are life skills. Just in case push ever came to shove out there, it would mean that we would have a group of young people ready to go. Right. If there's an apocalypse and or a war, same thing. Or both. Thanks for listening. Tap the follow or subscribe button on the Elliot Exchange wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate, review and share it with your friends. Follow Elise Elliot underscore media on Instagram to keep up with everything happening on the Elliot Exchange. Or send me a message if you have a question or a topic you'd love us to chat about. What I've learnt, Tom, is you never learnt how to make babies and you are a drill sergeant in waiting. At least what I've learnt is that you are secretly just a little bit jealous. I know you didn't say it, but a bit jealous of Sophie Ellis Beck's talk. <laughs> and that talking about human reproduction is very awkward and it's far better that you do it rather than me. <laughs> <laughs>